Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. It's Boxing with Chris Mannix, presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed, and there's no better place to get into the action than with FanDuel. There are so many sports to bet on, like the NBA, college basketball, PGA Tour, and yes, boxing. Every Saturday, bet boxing with me. Doing well these last couple of weeks, so stick with me. The app is safe, secure, and easy to use. FanDuel has exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long. When you win, you'll get paid fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. Combine multiple bets from the same game in a same-game parlay and try out Same Game Parlay Plus. So download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. 21-plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas City Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Welcome back to another Boxing with Chris Mannix. As always, you can listen to the show live on the AMP app. Just follow Chris Mannix on AMP. 
This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, joining me this week on the show, one of my favorite guys over in the UK. One of the great sports journalists in Great Britain. Longtime writer for The Telegraph. You can hear him on Talk Sport as well. Follow him on social media. Gareth A. Davies is back on the podcast, looking as Beatles-esque as ever. Gareth, how are you? I'm very well, Mr. Mannix. It's great to see you, and it's great to be back on with you. Thank you very much for the invite today, and it's always a privilege to to shoot the shiz with you, if I can call it that. <laughs> likewise, likewise. And I especially like to talk to you when there's so... Like, in the UK, boxing remains a mainstream sport. It's, it's a big deal uh, over there. And, and there's a lot of news coming out of the UK at the moment, some of it old, some of it somewhat fresh. And I want to start by unpacking a little bit of what we learned this week or didn't learn this week about the situation with Connor Ben. Connor Ben was in studio with Piers Morgan. Uh, it was, I believe, the first on-camera interview Ben has done since his fight against Chris Eubank Jr. was scrapped back in September uh, in the wake of those two positive drug tests for clomiphene, which, uh, for people that don't know, is a female fertility drug known to increase testosterone. It's the first interview since the WBC ruled that Ben could return to its rankings after the organization examined what was said to be 270 pages of evidence that Ben submitted. Gareth, I want to play a couple of clips from this interview. First, here's Connor Ben talking about the toll the last few months have taken on him personally. I mean, it's been brutal. Um, you know, it does feel like a witch hunt. Uh, I've never seen anything quite like this before um, in any other athlete whether they've raised their hands to it or, you know, they've just taken a small ban. You know, I was willing to fight for my innocence and, and prove my innocence. Although there was an easy way out in the beginning in lying and saying, oh, I may have accidentally done this. I may have done this by accident and, and taken a small six-month ban. Instead, I've chose to fight this because my integrity mattered more to me and I would never, ever, ever raise my hands to something I ain't done. Now, this is a point that Piers Morgan came back to again and again. If Ben has all this evidence, why is he refusing to let the British Boxing Board of Control see it? Why don't you give this dossier 270 pages of it? Why don't you give it to the British Boxing Board of Control? Because they're ultimately the ones that can sanction or not sanction your right to fight in this country. My dad tore up his British boxing licence on TV in the 80s. Mm. You know, the board don't, ain't going to stop me from fighting. They can't stop me from fighting. Look, it's not you having a professional fight in this country. In this country, and that's fine, so be it. Is that they fine? Filed, they filed seven misconduct charges against me. One of them was they wanted, because uh, we wanted the fight to go ahead. The second one was because we didn't tell Eubank immediately. And on the Monday, they said, we're upholding all charges. I thought, you lot can do one. You think I'm going to sit here and take this? But if you have you... All, what they've said is, well, show us the evidence. I, but I couldn't care you've less. Got, you've got 270 pages of apparent evidence. Surely the smart thing to do, whatever your views of the, of the Board of Control, they are the governing body. Surely you should just give them your evidence. Let them right, respond. That's, that's down to my legal team. You know, but what would stop you? I don't understand what stops you. 
my pride, the way they've dealt with this, the, the way the way the pride way pride won't get you through this. But the, the board, I don't have to be licensed by the board. That's my views on well, it. You do, fight, you do the fight in Britain. I don't plan on fighting Britain anytime soon. Just put it all it, on the internet. I want to. Be, on, I want to. Trust me. What's stopping you? The the ongoing legal cases. All right, a, a few facts on this, Gareth. Before I get your take on that interview, first, it goes without saying the WBC did not clear Conor Ben. What the WBC said was that there was no evidence that Ben intentionally ingested clomiphene and came to a conclusion that eggs could have caused the positive test. This conclusion is one that Ben himself does not really accept. He isn't even embracing that theory. He continues to blame the testers, which is kind of a time-honored tradition here in the U.S., and we'll get to that a little bit later. Second, the WBC ruling is effectively a toothless one. The WBC can rank Ben... It cannot license Ben. The British Boxing Board of Control is the governing body here. And until they say Ben can fight, no reputable board or athletic commission will license Conor Ben, including those in the U.S. Uh, I do not believe that states like California, Nevada, or New York will license a fighter without the British Boxing Board doing it first. Texas, maybe, because they're a little wild out there, but even them... I think they'd stay away from it. The Middle East is likely the only place that Conor Ben uh, can go to get a license and fight in the immediate future. So all that being said, Gareth, uh, it was about a 20-minute interview or so with Piers Morgan. You've covered this story from start, and we're nowhere near the finish. Did you gain anything from the interview? Did you learn anything new in that interview? Yeah, that, that um, obviously Conor Ben has been through a very harrowing time. We don't wish um, mental illness on anyone through a process like that. Um, he did very openly talk about how his mental health had suffered. Not surprisingly, felt like he was in the court of public opinion the whole time. But I think what we did learn, the biggest thing we learned is he's not going to take his case to the Boxing Board of Control, the British Boxing Board of Control. And I think that's a shame because in this whole process, I've spoken on countless times to Robert Smith, Secretary, General Secretary of the Boxing Board of Control, who has just said, we are waiting for their evidence to come forward. We want to look at it. Um, I don't think there's a vendetta against him. Um, I do not think there is a personal vendetta against Conor Ben, but he seems to think there is. Um, I think it's been ill-advised not to go to the Boxing Board of Control. Yes, they have strict liability uh, in terms of that BADA test, um, which UK, the UK anti-doping um, body have called on and have looked into. But I don't think they're looking to wreck his career. They're not looking to do that. Um, so in, in many ways, that was the one thing that we learnt. Um, but we also learned, and it kind of came out in this, his statement before he went in front of this very high-profile interview. Everybody knows Piers Morgan. He's an extremely... It's like going and doing your interview with Oprah, isn't it? You know, I don't even yeah. need, to say, need to say Winfrey. It's like going and doing it with Oprah um, and, 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 you know, revealing all with Oprah. Um, I think we... I think it's strange that that statement came out that he wasn't 
accepting the exoneration from the WBC when they'd requested his nutritional program and they'd found that maybe it was his egg intake because um, they've obviously given that evidence to them. He's purely and utterly saying VADA have got it wrong. They got the testing. There were mistakes in the testing process. He's not accepting that clomiphene got into his system. Um, and he's going to stand by that, it looks like, because he also said, you know, I think drugs cheat should be banned for life. So he's he's taken his stance. Um, you know, will that report ever be made public, for example, um, for us to see? He's got discrepancies, he's saying, over the, the, the actual VADA tests that were taken, that were taken to what you assume would be a WADA lab um, to be tested. So... To be honest, after the interview, it was no clearer in in the whole situation that has lacked transparency because it's been behind lawyers the whole time. The Boxing Board of Control have barely said anything. UCAD have said nothing. VADA are saying nothing. And, and maybe they will, but why should they? They're just the testing process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very unlikely that the WBC were not throwing VADA under the bus, but were going to break up VADA and say, you know, they're hopeless or they're wrong, because that is a testing authority in the sport. Go back to the cradle of all of this, which we mustn't forget. There's drug testing, performance-enhancing drugs in boxing because it's an inherently dangerous sport. People can be legally killed in the ring. And therefore, when the Boxing Board of Control couldn't go through a hearing maybe ahead of those July and September tests or particularly the September tests that they didn't do a hearing they couldn't proceed with that fight with Chris Eubank Jr and given how Chris Eubank Jr was afterwards taking nothing away from Liam Smith to go into the big picture here he looked so weight drained when he when he drained down to what was it 159 pounds yep. or 57 pounds in the in that ghost weigh in um Look how he went under against Liam Smith, taking nothing away from Liam Smith. But you look back and you think, instinctively think, thank God those two didn't step in the ring together. Especially as Clomiphene had shown up in his system in, in two VADA tests. So it's, it's, a, it's a complex um, and difficult case. Um, and it's no clearer now than it was five months ago frankly chris i just don't Mm. i mean i don't do you see it as any clearer now no um no i don't and and look you've been reporting on this from day one piers morgan seemed genuinely befuddled as to why connor ben would share his quote evidence with the wbc and not the british boxing board of control quite frankly gareth I'm surprised it hasn't leaked. Like, the WBC is not the CIA. Like, I'm surprised that that report has not found its way to a media outlet at this point. But forget all that. Like, there was some crosstalk there during the interview when they brought Nigel Ben in. But it sure sounds like Nigel Ben wants that report out there, too. Like, do you understand why Connor Ben will not release the report to the British Boxing Board of Control. Do you have any theories as to why he won't give that report to the British Boxing Board of Control? 
Well, the, the WBC CARES programme is not strict liability and the, the, the VADA um, Voluntary Anti-Doping Association test going into the Eubank um, uh, fight is under strict liability because of UCAD and Boxing Border Control going into a fight. So that might be one of the reasons. I think um, he's obviously being advised by his legal team as to he's not making the decisions. His legal team, I assume, are making the decisions and advising him. Um, you know, I just, it feels ill-advised not to go in front of the Boxing Border Control and just go through it and, you know, and just go through the hearing with them and find a resolution with the case. I mean, that's what Piers Morgan pressed as much as possible. And the only answer that came in the end was, um, well, they can do one because they've got a vendetta against me. They had seven charges against me, as he mentioned, two of which he mentioned, two of the charges he mentioned. Um, that was upheld by the Boxing Board of Control. Um, but as you say, they, as I said, they were, they were acting under strict liability. So... Um, Maybe the, the reason why the WBC, you say, leak, haven't leaked it, they're probably... Uh, Mauricio Suleiman is a guy we know very well. He cooperates enormously with the media. You know, he's, he's a very uh, shrewd businessman as well as president of the sanctioning body. They're, they are arguably the most prevalent sanctioning body. You know, you can call him a mover and a shaker. He's very involved. Um, you know, he talks to all of us in big fight weeks. Um, and I wonder whether there is strict legalese over that, that they've signed an NDA or, or you know, a strict policy NDA that they won't release it. Um, but then you, you end up going around in circles because <laughs> you do because yeah. because I don't want to say they gave him an out, but they gave him. Uh, an exoneration to get back into the rankings, saying, look, it could have been caused from clomiphene, uh, from eggs, rather. Clomiphene could have been from the eggs. There were previous cases of cyclists, I think, were mentioned, two cyclists. So, you know, but he doesn't want to take that because he doesn't want to believe that that's what it was because his, he's adamant that it was down to the, what he's read into those VADA tests. But those VADA tests were at different times. Um, and I, my understanding is that samples are split up anyway. So, oh, it's, it, it's, it's, nobody wins in this right now. And, and, and on the other note, yes, he might fight Manny Pacquiao. Um, I think Eddie Hearn might well try and fight, take that fight to America. I don't know if there is a tripartite agreement between the Boxing Board of Control, and all the ABCs, the American Boxing Commissions. The credible ones. I, I can tell you, the credible ones, he'd have to go to, like, Georgia or Florida or... But it doesn't... Like I said, but, but what I'm saying is there's a route there to have a fight, isn't there? It doesn't... Maybe. May, maybe. You know. I, I just... Maybe. I, I think more realistically it's the Middle East or some other foreign country that you take a fight like that to. Like, the real commissions in California, Nevada, and New York, they're not going to license him under these particular circumstance I, I just don't believe that and look my, my read on it is like people listening to this show in the U.S. remember the Major League Baseball scandal and they remember all the excuses that guys that got caught using substances came up with I mean I can go back 10 years to when Alex Rodriguez 
in New York City walked into Mike Francesa's radio studio, WFAN, the most powerful radio studio in New York, had a TV deal as well. And he sat there and he gave this impassioned speech about how the process was broken because then Major League Commissioner Bud Selig wouldn't come in to testify, which didn't make any sense whatsoever why he would choose that hill to die on. It was all like, look over here, not over here. It was yeah, red I've got it up here. here now. I googled it. It's fascinating, isn't it's, it? You know? Give that a watch at some point. The other example that jumped to mind, Ryan Braun, who played for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, this was back in 2011. Ryan Braun got busted with a banned substance. He went after the tester, the test taker, who did not follow strict protocol because he took the test on a weekend. He couldn't ship it or allegedly couldn't ship it. He actually won his case because of that. But then two years later, Ryan Braun got caught again. And after that, subsequently, he apologized to the test taker for slandering him in the way that he did. The point of all this, Gareth, we've seen this before. Like, this is a familiar song to sports fans in the U.S. because we spent a decade plus dealing with it on a regular basis in Major League Baseball. It kept happening and happening and happening. And the excuses, even to laymen like you and me, never made any sense. They didn't quite add up. And that's where I feel this is going with Connor Ben. The British Boxing Board of Control is just not going to 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 just you know look the other way on this one and and legitimate states and their commissions are not just going to look the other way that's why and here's my here was the only other question i had for you on this because i don't really fully understand this like connor ben one way to get his reputation his career back on track i think would be look i didn't do this i don't know how this got in my system the wb said it was eggs Whatever. Like, I'm falling on my sword here. Like, I, I just, I don't know what else to tell you. I didn't take anything illegal. But do the hearing. But do the do hearing. hearing. Yeah, no, like, yeah. do it. Like, yeah. fall on his sword in front of the, yeah. the board yeah. of control. Like, would the punishment be that severe? I that... don't think so. I think you're so right. I, I think you're so right. And and um, rather than just finding another area to go and fight in that will license him, and then work your way back in that way. I think you're so right, and and it makes absolute sense. That's why my feeling the whole time has been just do your case with the Boxing Board of Control. Um, they're not going to ban you for life. Um, you know, the Boxing Board of Control are not looking to wreck Conor Ben's career, in my view. Um, and also, by the way, um, even though I jumped ahead of you there, I know exactly where you're going with it. You're absolutely right, in my view. How much appetite... Listen, you know me, and you are the same. I'm the biggest Pacquiao-file out there. I'm the biggest Pac-Man supporter there's been. Um, you know, you and I covered a vast part, probably a decade, 12 years of his career that was just extraordinary in every way shape or form one of the greatest crossover sports stories you will ever find i mean you, you, there aren't better frankly um a modern hero in the sport um but how much appetite is there really to see conor ben against manny pacquiao even um this is a guy a young man who was really growing in the sport and was headed towards virgil ortiz fights and really on the cusp of really, really big fights. Why, Pacquiao's 44, isn't he, going on 45? Mm. Why have that fight now? It has 
uh, I don't know, an air of exhibition about it, but has Eddie Hearn noticed something that we haven't, that maybe Conor Big Ben's become even bigger in the promoter's eyes and he's just testing the wind by putting that out with Sean Gibbons? I mean, we know Sean as well. He's been, he's a very erudite mover in the sports world, knows his onions. Um, but is that going to do millions of pay-per-view buys? I'm not sure. No, really but, but what, what that will do, Gareth, is get a Middle Eastern country interested to put up the kind of money where it doesn't matter yeah, how many yeah, pay-per-view buys yeah, that's that true. it did. I that's mean, true. There was a lot of talk about the number of pay-per-view buys Jake Paul and Tommy Fury did. Who cares? The money really came from Saudi Arabia as much as it did anywhere else. That's where I think Pacquiao comes into all this. This is Conor Ben's way of getting a big payday without, you know, having to worry about the uh, the potential of pay-per-view. What I'm perplexed by in this moment is why Pacquiao is so interested all of a sudden. Like, Pacquiao is 44 years old. The last time we saw him in the ring was in this horrendous exhibition in South Korea where he weighed 160 pounds. Like, I'm sure he's in better shape than most of us, you and I included on that. But I thought Pacquiao had the best pro boxing exit he could hope for because he lost legitimately to Jordanis Ugas. He lost in a world title fight, but he didn't get beat up. He didn't wind up face down on the canvas like a Roy Jones or like some of these other legends of the game have gone out. If Pacquiao comes back in a legitimate fight, that's where we're headed. That's why when I see Sean Gibbons, who is the closest thing to a Pacquiao spokesperson there is out there, saying, just waiting for a phone call, Eddie, just waiting to make this fight. That tells me Pacquiao is all in on getting back into the ring. Imagine, imagine, because we're all going to be there, June Abu Dhabi. Can you imagine how big that would be around this Conor Ben story and the comeback of Manny Pacquiao, who, I don't know currently where he sits, but I mean, I did an interview with him ahead of that your Dennis Ugas fight on a Zoom. It was always a pleasure to speak to Manny. You know, you know him well as well. I mean, even intimately, we know him. You know, we've been around him for so long. Um, I wonder if he's got aspirations to run for president again, you know? Um, you know, he, he's he's had this political career running alongside his boxing career. What is it, 12, 13 years? Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's going to be it's going to be fireworks if that comes off, and they're teasing it with that poster. Sean Gibbons retweeted the poster of those two in Abu Dhabi. You know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot to be said for the fact he did do that because they may be testing the waters. But it's a very confusing moment. Boxing has incredible uh, layers of nuance and obfuscation at times. Um, and, you know, one of the big things is picking through very often for us what is information and misinformation. Um, but it, it's, it's a particularly challenging case, this one. Particularly I, I, I don't want to see Pacquiao back. I don't. He, he's, mm. I, I, don't, I don't need to see him keep going until someone puts him out cold. And if Conor Ben is even close to the fighter we saw before all this happened there's a pretty good chance he hits Pacquiao with an Algeri-level shot and puts him down. I don't want to see that for Manny Pacquiao. I, I just don't. And I agree. If he needs the money, I, I God, I hope not. I, I hope he doesn't need the money, man. 
because he has had so many high-profile fights. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we, many, we, Gareth. We, we always said this about Manny, and people around him always said it. He well may well end up needing money because yeah. there's no welfare state in the Philippines, but there is a welfare state when it comes to Manny Pacquiao because they used to queue in their thousands outside his place in General Santos City, oh, wasn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. You know, and he would just give people, say yes, no... Um, I, I remember speaking to the commercial, um, his commercial arm, when I can't remember her name now, um, who worked for Bob Arum, the top rank. And she said there were so many, um, I f forget her name, she was, a, she was a lawyer who worked for him. Um, and she, I remember the, the clearing up of, of companies that carried his name where he just said, yeah, take my name, take my name, because they were trying to create his commercial and... Uh, um, image rights in the right way but there was so much out there cans of this and dog food that and you know I'm making this up but there were, yeah. there were so you know because that's what he did he said yeah use my name do this you know so I mean he's a brilliant fellow but I agree with you um, you know he, he's you know we've just had Floyd Mayweather fighting over here against Aaron Chalmers a couple of weekends ago and you know there wasn't really a, it wasn't overly uh, promoted either there weren't mm. enough people there for, to see Floyd Mayweather in his first fight in the UK as an exhibition bout, I hasten to add. But it should have sold out the O2 Arena with the amount of fans there are for Floyd Mayweather, but it actually didn't. Yeah, yeah, I, I was reading about the low numbers, low turnout uh, for that fight. Uh, you know, for Pacquiao, though, keep doing dumb exhibitions if you want to make a couple of bucks. You know, find foreign countries that'll pay you to fight MMA stars or pop stars or YouTubers, whatever. But do not get back in there, in my opinion, with a guy that can crack. I don't want to see that happen to Manny Pacquiao. A couple other things before I let you go. Um, we are less than a month away from Anthony Joshua's return. At the moment, Anthony Joshua is holed away somewhere in Texas working with Derek James. It reminds me a little bit of when like Rocky went to work with Apollo, kind of disappeared off the radar and dug in and only focused on boxing. Um, you, you know... I guess the question I have is like, what is the perception about the stakes for Anthony Joshua going into this fight? He's in his early 30s at this moment. He's coming off back-to-back -back losses. If you look at the totality of it, it's what three in the last four that have been losses uh, for Manny uh, for uh, uh, Anthony Joshua. Like, what's at stake here in a fight like this? And is is does Joshua have to do more, in your opinion, than just win against Jermaine Franklin? Well, the trouble is, if, if he goes 12 rounds and he looks decent and he wins behind his jab, he'll be damned. And if he knocks him out in four rounds, he'll be damned because he should have knocked him out or he shouldn't have gone 12 rounds. Um, I just hope we see a confident uh, Anthony Joshua who looks to exact a strong game plan, start strong and lets his hands go when the opportunities come. Um you do feel that he'll be more aggressive under Derek James. Um, everybody who works with him talks so highly of him. He's done so little wrong. He's been a totemic figure. And Eddie Hearn is right when he says, a lot of us wouldn't be where we are doing what we are in big stadium fights were it not for Anthony Joshua. And latterly Tyson Fury as well, by the way, um, which people pick me up and for mentioning Tyson Fury there as a Fury fanboy, but they have both really drawn. And as you say, boxing's huge over here. When we have stadium fights, they are enormous. You've been to them yourself. 
They mm -hmm. are enormous. The only thing that matches that in the States at the moment is Canelo and his big events, you know, um, in Arlington and places like that. But um, I think the optics have got to be good for him in this fight. A spectacular knockout would change a lot of views that his confidence is back. Look, he's a very wealthy man who's done extraordinarily well for someone that took up boxing at the age of 18. Olympic super heavyweight gold in his home city 11 years ago now. Three of the world title belts, a two-time world heavyweight champion. Did he earn close to 80 million pounds for those two fights with Usyk? You know, one as a champion, probably the highest paid challenger in history, um, I think. Something like that. I think that is out there. You know, maybe 45 million for that second Usyk fight. Um, and he was better, by the way, in that fight. And for me, up to the ninth round, that was a close, good fight. Um, I think, as I say, if he looks good, I think things look up for him. Um, they're not flocking to the O2 Arena yet. It's a smaller profile fight. It's his first fight on the zone the zone proper um that's going to be a testing market the sky sport sky news sky box office machine was enormous for him for 10 years um obviously they managed to pip that fight um with Usyk last year in saudi arabia um business was going back and forth and they managed to get it he's a big draw but he hasn't sold out the o2 arena yet so maybe People, and I think it will be full by the time we get there. But this is an under-the-radar fight. He's under the radar over there in Dallas, Texas. We saw him a few weeks back. Um, he's in fine fettle, in my view. But maybe he needs a different PR strategy at the moment. Maybe he, he's always been less is more and doesn't do loads of appearances. Mm. But maybe he needs to do that a little bit more. But if he doesn't want to... That's up to him. I think he's got four or five fights left. Maybe maximum four or five fights. He, he is doing, I think, everything right in 2023. I think joining with Derek James was right. I think going yeah. to that gym where Errol Spence has become a superstar, where uh, Jermel Charlo has become a superstar, was right. I think leaving the UK and getting outside of his comfort zone, outside of a place where he is a superstar and going to a place where, quite, quite frankly, no one knows who he is. He could probably walk around downtown Dallas and no one would recognize him, or at least very few. I think De Deontay Wilder can do that as well, unfortunately. True. No, no, true. But like for Anthony Joshua, he needs it more than Deontay Wilder. Oh, like, totally. No, yeah, I'm, he, I'm, he need... I'm making a point about... Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that was smart. I think the path that Eddie Hearn is putting him on is smart. Look, Jermaine Franklin, good for him for how he fought against Dillian White. I'm not buying the idea that Jermaine is Andy Ruiz 2.0. Andy Ruiz had hand speed that was unrivaled in the heavyweight division. Like, Andy Ruiz was a different animal altogether. I think Jermaine Franklin is the perfect comeback opponent because he's credible for what he did against Dillian White, but he's not that dangerous, if we're being honest. And then I think a White fight, if it comes to fruition is also the right way to go. Because Dillian White, I love what he's done in his career. I think he got royally screwed over a couple of times. But the Dillian White I've seen in his last few fights, he's looked pretty close to washed, Gareth, to be honest with you. Like, the Dillian White from a few years ago 
would have stomped Jermaine Franklin, would have stopped him. And, and he had trouble with him, you know, couldn't land those big shots, at least not until the latter stage of the fight. Um, I think he goes down to Anthony Joshua. And then if Joshua gets through them, I think the physical could once again, once again match the mental. We could once again have a fighter that is physically imposing and mentally sharp. The fighter we saw going into the Vladimir Klitschko fight in 2017. I think this is the right way to get Joshua back to that fighter if he can succeed at each step. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll pick up a couple of things on, on what you said there. I completely agree with you about um, Franklin and then Dillian White. Two powerful victories, get him back mentally. And then he's set up for Tyson Fury, Joe Joyce, Deontay Wilder, whoever you want. I mean, I'd love to see him in with all three of those. Mm -hmm. um, they're massive fights. I mean, I'm biased. I really want to see him fight Tyson Fury. If I'd, yeah, I mean, you were speaking like a promoter, then I, I am now. If I was his <laughs> promoter last year, yeah, but we know how the game works. If, if, if I'd been his promoter last year, I wouldn't have put him in with, with Tyson Fury in December because it was too much of an end game fight. Um, they probably thought about it, but this is the beginning. He's got a six fight deal, I understand, or, or maybe it's a 10 fight deal with, with DAZN. I don't think he'll see that entire deal out. I think it's 10 fights, isn't it? Over five years, two fights a year. Um, it's very lucrative for him. They will try and favor him. There is an elongation in careers. There's a different type of building of boxers. In the modern age, people want it now, don't they? And boxing works to a certain algorithm. People who like both sports of boxing and MMA, the fans anyway say, no, we want the fight now, we want the fight now, because that's what they do in MMA. But it doesn't work the same. And rebuilding Joshua is very important. You fall and you rise. It's snakes and ladders, isn't it? You slide down the snake and you climb the ladder again. I completely agree, and that's how I've seen this year for him. He hasn't fought three times in a year since 2015, I think it is. But also, Vladimir Klitschko was six years ago, you know? Three mm. losses in four fights since then. You could see he wants to be a better boxer but George Foreman has said it. Other people have said it in the boxing game. Just decide what you want to be, Anthony, and just go out and be it. Be the finisher and destroyer you are. He's as good a finisher as anyone when he's got someone hurt. And I think that's the Joshua you want to see. He's a pleasure to deal with. I wish we saw more of him around us. Um, and I only wish him well this year. And I wish him well against Jermaine Franklin on April the 1st. Because when he's healthy and when he's going well... It's good for British boxing and world boxing. Ditto, and I know you're going to reach this in a minute, reach to this in a minute. Ditto when Tyson Fury's firing on all cylinders as well. Because what the hell is happening with Tyson Fury and Alexander mm. Usyk at the moment? Well, that's, that's what I wanted to ask you about to finish here. Um, two months ago, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that in the spring we would get Fury against Usyk. And then talks with the Middle East kind of fell apart. Now we're back to doing it in the UK. You've see, you've heard uh, Usyk's camp say we want 50-50. Tyson Fury's camp has pushed back pretty hard. And we are less than two months away, Gareth, from the targeted date for Fury against Alexander Usyk, which was at least talked about as being April 29th. What do you know about where we stand with all this? Do you still believe that Fury Usyk will be next for both guys? 
Um, I don't know, is the honest answer. I've spoken to um, both of uh, the promoters for Tyson Fury, both to top rank and to Queensbury, and um, they are literally saying we should have more news in a few days, and I've done that probably five, six times in the last two or three <laughs> weeks. I think they are really getting towards the cutoff point by the end of this week. Um to the point where the promoters are saying, we can't force these guys to step in there. This is the pot available. This is what they can get. But when a fighter, like Usyk even, has earned a certain amount of money for a fight in the Middle East with Anthony Joshua, the step down in money is not something that, not only the boxer, but the entire team, who are all taking a cut of that, are not happy to take. So therefore, they're trying to make up their margins by going for a bigger percentage, does or of the purse in the UK, does Tyson Fury deserve more in the UK? I think if it's announced as being at Wembley Stadium, the majority of people are coming to see Tyson Fury. Oh yeah, I, I still don't think they'd have a problem getting ninety thousand people in there if they announced it in two weeks' time. Because again, December the third, freezing cold, hats, scarves, and gloves. Derek Chisora, you know, 70,000 people, 65,000 people at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in North London. They're not going to have a problem with that. I think it does big numbers on pay-per-view buys because there'll be a lot of interest. First undisputed title fight in the four-belt era. Um, undisputed title for the first time in a long time. But it's just disappointing. And, you know, it, far be it from us to just take whatever money is available. But... It's just a shame if we can't get this fight to happen. And fights don't happen in boxing sometimes. Um, and, and Gareth, and think, think, about, think, about, think about, too, what we could get this year if things play out right. Like, if AJ goes out, knocks out Jermaine Franklin, knocks out Dillian White, he gets his swagger back. If Tyson Fury beats Usyk and then goes out this summer and, let's say, fights Francis Ngannou and becomes the guy that, you know demythologizes Francis Ngannou because he would just smash him. But that's a high-profile event that would do big numbers in the UK, US, wherever. Absolutely. Like, you would have both these guys going into a potential showdown in, like, December with close to, if not all, of the momentum they would have had a couple of years ago. They would have gotten it back at that point. And then that fight would, again, be for the undisputed championship. Only this time, Fury would be one with all the belts. Like that's yeah, it, that's kind of what I'm crossing my fingers on there, Gareth. That that and it will be the Middle East. Prevail. And it will be the yeah. Middle East. It would be mm. the Middle East that that's oh, going to pot of money there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that's where that happens in my view. Um don't forget Joe Joyce who is a player here as well. Look, Fury against Joshua is the I know Joe Joyce's stock has ridden, risen enormously in the last year. Um and in and and some people believe, I'm probably amongst them, that he could potentially give Fury a harder fight than Usyk, physically harder mm. fight than Usyk. Because um, Fury's going to have to jab, jab, move, jab, jab, move, wear him down. Whereas against Usyk, he may well try and wear Usyk down and go after him a little bit more. I think he would. Um, much smaller man, doesn't punch hard, dangerous fight still, don't get mm -hmm. me wrong, but he doesn't want 
I don't want to call Yusuke a wasp, but that kind of zipping in and out and winning, um, you know, targeting the belly and scoring like that, <laughs> um, body and head, body and head, being an elusive southpaw target, um, great mover as he is, um, a trickier fight, more of a chess match, more of a boxing match. But they're all a, a incredible prospects. But like you say, it feels like there's there's no bigger fight than Fury as undisputed champion and Anthony Joshua with a couple of wins under his belt. Wouldn't surprise me if he looks really good against Jermaine Franklin and Fury does beat Usyk, if and when that happens, if it's pushed later now, that there isn't a Dillian White fight in the summer for Anthony Joshua and you just see those two meet mm. in, in, in the Saudi Arabia. Because that's the fight. That's the fight of this era. I hate to say that is it. Yeah, I don't know if you it was agree. two years. Do you agree? Do you agree? I do, I do. It was two years ago, and it still is now. That's a massive event that would make both guys a lot of money. And until they meet in the ring, you're just not going to know. And yeah, you know, I think going into it, we'd think Fury would be the favorite. But you know, if Anthony Josh can get right, if Derek James is the right trainer, he could easily get back to his winning ways. Uh, once again, nobody better on the British boxing scene than my man Gareth A. Davies. Follow him on social media. Check him out at The Telegraph. Check him out on Talk Sport, among others. I appreciate your time, my friend. It's always a pleasure for me, Mr. Mannix. Thank you very much, my friend. And when we come back, my conversation with Tony Harrison. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get off the bench and bet the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, FanDuel is giving customers 10 times your first bet in bonus bets. It doesn't matter if your first bet is an air ball. You'll still get up to $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you're listening to this podcast, you're doing it for boxing. But you know I'm an NBA guy too, and I love add a little bit of something to watching games at night by betting on the NBA. And FanDuel is the only place I go to do it. With FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to which player will score first. All on a top-rated sportsbook app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out. Just visit FanDuel.com slash boxing to get in on the action. That's FanDuel.com slash boxing. Then place your first bet to score up to $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas City Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. All right, Tony Harrison is the former unified 154-pound champion. On Saturday, he will attempt to regain an interim version of one of those titles which takes on Tim Zhu in Australia. That's a fight that you can see in the U.S. on Showtime. And Tony joins me here on the show. Tony, we were just kind of reminiscing just a moment ago about how you, know, you and I met about a decade ago, back when you were running through Europe with Emmanuel Stewart on Vladimir Klitschko's undercards. Little different now, but does any of this kind of feel familiar getting out on the road again? Um I, I would say no, man. I would say no. I think um not not only not, not, not only was I younger when I was when I was uh on those Klitschko's cards, but I was opening up when nobody was in the crowd. You know what I mean? <laughs> I and now I'm not 
now now I get the flip side of it where I am the Klitschko in these cars now. So I think um like yeah, like 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 you get media days and, and all that stuff that I know he was going through and I'm like, shit, I hate that. You know what I mean? Like the stuff that he used to do, now I hate. Like I'm like, wow, like now I'm at the point of this now I I, I I'm like, man, I just want to fight. Like, just get me to the fight. <laughs> I do remember, because I was one of the few people that would be sitting kind of ringside when empty, like, 80,000-seat venue, and here comes you running out exactly, with Manny behind you when his clips go red, <laughs> and you fight out there real quick, and he'd be uh, out the door. <laughs> exactly, man. But like I said, like, I, I think the flip side of it is now – um. Yeah, yeah, like like the media part of it, you know, it's just it's just more of a, it's just more of a, a you the man now, you the guy, you know, you the guy everybody coming to see, you know, you get all the media questions, you get all the, um, fight week is fight week is really busy, man, it's really busy. Back back then, it was just like, I got to train and 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 do what I needed to do, and it was fight time, it was fight time. Now it's like it's every other thing, so. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's, I'm just, I'm happy to be in this position though. So tell me how this fight came together because when Jermel Charla got injured and I found out Tim Zhu was going to be fighting in Australia, kind of assumed he'd be taking on a pretty soft touch as he got ready for a fight against Jermel whenever Jermel was healthy. How did it happen that you are here in Australia getting ready to fight Tim Zhu? Man, to to be honest, man, I don't know, man, because... (laughs) Like I said, I might, I don't know if I might have spoken to existence or what because, you know, I talked to, to Tim's manager yesterday and he like the moment Jamil got his hand hurt, I ended up tweeting like, till Tim, I, I fill in. Like, you know what I mean? And I don't know if I spoke to existence because he said he had that, um, he took my tweet and he saved that tweet. And it was, he said it, it came down between me and somebody else. And I think they were leaning towards the other guy because I think the other guy, they had the other guy, and um, but it, it, you know, something had occurred, and the other guy had fell out of it, and hey, here we go. Then they got this bad man right here on the phone. So, you know, I you immediately s- answered. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even get it back, and I'm like, yes, I would do it. Yes, yes, I would. You said something at the very first press conference that stuck with me. You said Tim accepting this fight woke you up from the dead. What is it? What did you mean by that? It's a situation for me of when when I was speaking on that situation is boxing has been slow for everybody. You know what I mean? Like boxing has been, you know, it's, it's your favorite fighter hasn't been fighting. Whoever your favorite fighter is, he ain't been busy. He ain't been active. So boxing has been slow for all of us. So it's been dead. Like it's been really like dead for everybody. You know what I mean? But for me, you know, when I when I joined boxing, man, it was only the, I was only my best when I was active. You know what I mean? So for him to 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 be the ultimate competitor that he is, like I am, to take a fight like this at a time like this, it's like, damn, boy, you woke me up from the dead because boxing was dead. Like boxing was slow. Boxing was boxing was slow, man. It was you know what I mean? Then and then it's like it's hard to make these fights happen now for some reason. You know what I mean? Like it ain't the the, the times when Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns and them guys like, all right, let's go. Like let's. Let's fight. Like it was, it was, it was easier back then. Man, it was just guys that knew what fighting, without why they started fighting, was fighting. You know what I mean? So Tim carries that, um, that that love for the sport in his in his heart. You know what I mean? So he like, man, like I want that challenge. I want the best challenges. 
I want to test myself. I want to push myself. But that's what it's all about. Like, that's what the sport is all about. But for him to get me off of the couch, like, I, I, I what was the last time I fought? Like, a year ago? Almost, almost a year like ago. A year. April. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, almost a year ago. But then I fought almost a year ago before that. And then I fought almost a year. So I fought one time, uh, one time for, like, for the last four years. And I don't understand how they expect me to be as sharp. And as reactive as I am and the older I get, and I'm only fighting once a year, like I'm Floyd Mayweather. So um, for me, I'm just like, wake me about the dead. Like, this is the fight I needed for the fight I really wanted. You know what I mean? And I get to fight this guy to fight Jamel, which is the the fight I really wanted anyway. Um, and I get to I, t- I get to take the, fed, the fast pass like he took to fight him to skip the line. And I get to skip through everything else I had to go through to fight that one guy, that the same guy he would love to fight. And I get to skip the line to fight him. And, you know, it all made sense for me in the end. Yeah. To your point about activity, your best year was one of your most active years. 2018, you fought three times that year, ended it with that win over Jermel Charlo. And, And as you said, last three years, it's kind of been once a year. I mean, what do you chalk that up to? I mean, the pandemic obviously caused a lot of problems early on, but why ha- right. why is it that you've not been able to get those fights given your status as a former title holder and, you know, kind of your recognizability in boxing? Man, I think boxing is just more of a, it's corporate now. It's, it has nothing to do with fighters no more. It's corporate. It has everything to do with who brings the sales in. It has everything to do with the matching up of, of, of who, how, how we can get the most ratings out of a fight. Um, it has nothing to do with just the ill will and, 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 and the gladiator part of just two people that, that that love to compete, compete. You know what I mean? So I think that's just the hardness of it. I think it's just it's hard for guys at my, at my, at my level to fight guys that's at my level when um, everything is more of a business now. Everything is just like how much money is you giving me? Like how much? How much? How much? How much of that cash? How much? How much of that cash flow you dropping for me to fight this guy? You know what I mean? So, which makes sense now because ain't nobody fighting for pennies no more. But yeah, man, like like if I could do it, like I just wanted to stay active. You know what I mean? Like for me, I'm just the best when I'm active, and I and I fight anybody. It's nobody that I would not fight. You know what I mean? But they just want me to to, to fight these guys now. It just got to make sense to me because. They want me to fight these guys I'm fighting once a year for the last four years. You know what I mean? Now, they got they kept me active. Oh, shit. call me. Call me tomorrow. Now, I would have fought this guy next week. You know what I mean? Like, you just had to keep me active. So, but but now it's just more, it's just more, it's just more, um, it's more business-minded, not only for, for, for promoters and managers, it's, it's, it's almost business-minded for fighters now. You know what I mean? Now they starting to be like, well, Mm, this may be, this this may not be the best choice right now. This may not be the best opportunity right now. And we just gonna we just gonna go otherwise. You know what I mean? Going otherwise for me, um, like I said, I'm not the the easiest guy to fight, and, and for nobody in the division, I'm not the easiest guy. You know what I mean? The long jab, the quickness, the loose, the the looseness, the power, um, the sharpness, and the Detroit style, man, that I got, man. It's not it's not an easy style for nobody to fight. So, um. Like, guys are not lining up to just fight me. You know what I mean? Like, they're not lining up to just run up and just fight a guy like me. So, it just it got to be strategic. But, you know, if we want to bring the sport back, man, you got to get guys like me to fight Tim, <clears throat> Caleb to fight Benavidez, uh, Davis to fight Ryan. You know what I mean? Like, those, like then when guys start putting their records on the line, 
and guys start bringing competitive fights back, then it's like, okay, well, they did it. Well, now we can do it. And Earl and Terrence and, you know, now mm -hmm. we can do it. Let's do it. You know what I mean? It's not about, like, let's just give people good boxing. Let's bring good boxing back for some reason. At at that first press conference, you were very complimentary of Tim's toughness. He's a tough guy, no question about it. Um, but you pushed back on the idea that he earned his place atop the junior middleweight division. And you kind of did it again just a moment ago, talking about the elevator that he took to to get there. It sounds like you're you're sort of saying, like, Tim's a tough guy, but there are levels to this. Skills pay the bills, however you want to kind of frame it. Is that fair to say? Uh yeah yeah I I think I think skills pay the bills but like I said it's it's a lot of guys in boxing that that win fights and that that's made it to the top that's not skilled at all you know what I mean so I think it's like you can carry some of those attributes of toughness and and and, and activity with, with 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 hands and and throw a thousand points like it's a lot of ways that you could become and get to the top but I'm just like. The resume has to speak that way too, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like whatever attributes you got that's carrying you to the top, the resume has to speak that way. And I'm like, Tim hasn't fought anybody in the top ten, not one person in the top ten. And y'all mean to tell me this guy's next up to fight for all the belts, all of them? Like, it's not, it's not fair to guys like me. It's not fair to guys like Lubin, Fondora. You know, guys that really take fights in and out and and, 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 and fight guys top ten, top five, and and it's it's not fair. Like how? Like like how? Like you know what I mean? And that 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 that's been my question this whole time. Like, how does a guy that hasn't fought not one person in the top ten gets to fight for all the belts? Is that I don't know if that's the last name basis. I don't. It has nothing to do with skill at that moment. Like it has everything to do with how. Like, not not you boxing, but just how? How are you next? How are you the one that's next? How? You know, we've um, we've seen Tim Zhu in in some fights that he's shown some power in some of those fights. Uh, your three losses have all come by stoppage. How much do you trust your chin at this point in your career? Well, Chris, uh, every fight I got stopped in was in the ninth. In later parts of the round, so you know what I mean. Like, I had nothing to do with, you know, you know, for 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 you know people that understand the body, and people that understand, you know, um, what what a what a what a weak chin looks like, or or what a weak chin like, you know, for Jamel to be one of the hardest punchers in the division, we went eleven rounds, and trust me, he hit me a ton of times from round one to round eleven. You know what I mean? I remember that, that I was there so in Ontario like, for that fight. That was a tough fight. Yeah. Yeah. So it, like, like for me, like, yeah, that's, that's not a guy that shows me he has a weak chin. You know, we went, I went nine with her and then I'm like, that doesn't show me a guy that has a weak chin. Well, what shows me what, what, what it told me was, and like, like for me, man, I, after round like seven, I was fighting our pure heart. You know what I mean? Like I had nothing left in the body to, to really give and stand strong on, you know what I mean? Like none of the, None of the 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 the, the minerals and vitamins probably I needed in my body to stand strong at those moments. You know what I mean? So now when I got hit, I'm like, damn, it's over. You know what I mean? Like, but um, yeah, like like Chris, I don't, it had nothing to do with my chin. I I think it had everything to do with um, 
the way I lost the weight, the way I, you know what I mean, didn't eat at all, like, the week of, I, I didn't eat not one thing the week of my second trial fight, not one time, you know what I mean, so I just think I just did everything wrong, you know what I mean, just to make the weight, but I did it wrong when I, when it was, when it was calculated ways for me to do it and still be strong and do it, you know what I mean, but I just did it wrong, but, um, yeah, I think, I think it had everything to do with the way I did it, and, um, Yeah, yeah, and like I said, man, for for everybody that keeps saying you go, you don't have a chance. Like, you don't see guys knocking me out in rounds two. You don't see guys knocking me out in round three, four. You know what I mean? Like round five, round it. I it be the times when my body just has nothing left. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do with the chin, but my body has nothing left to stand strong on. You know what I mean? And I'm and I'm, and I'm fighting a pure heart and, and pure will and pure grit from Detroit. You know what I mean? So, um. And even after all those knockdowns, man, you've never seen me sit on the ground. You've never seen me sit on the ground. You've never seen me get knocked down and the referee stop the fight while I'm on the ground. I stand up every single time. You know what I mean? So it just shows that no matter what my body had left, I'm going to get up. You know what I mean? That guy right there, he's going to get, he's going to stand up. He's going to, so referee had to save me every, each and every time out because I was going to die in that thing. You know what I mean? Because I'm going to stand up each and every time. You can knock me down 10 times because I'm going to stand back up every every single time before the count of 10, I'm going to stand up. So no matter if I had nothing left for me or not, but um, I just think it's the ways I did it. You know what I mean? The, the way I lost the weight. I, I think that, that was the main thing, the way I lost the weight. So going into this fight, Do you, do you feel differently? Was this a different level of preparation compared to, say, the Charlo fight or any other fight where you didn't feel like you did it the right way? Do you think you did it the right way in this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, I, I think for sure, though, Chris, because most of the time when I'm when when they call me for a fight, I don't even be doing nothing. I don't do shit until they call me. You know what I mean? Until they call me and say I got a fight. You know what I mean? So, but but this time around. I was training like three weeks before they even called me. Like I just had started running and, you know, me, me, me training Alicia. When she ran, I ran, you know what I mean? When I had to get her up in the morning to go run, I would just run with her. You know what I mean? So it just, it, it was just the extra, the extra boost, the motivation for me to do it myself and get up out the bed myself and just say, even though you're going to fight coming up, go run with her. You know what I mean? Go train with her. You know what I mean? And I had already started like three weeks before and, in the mind, and when, when I started training with her, my mind automatically put me in, put the fucking drinking down. I stopped drinking three weeks, like three weeks when I started training work. I stopped smoking hookah three weeks when I started training work. So I really put my mind in, this, in a state of get your body in shape at the moment. While you train work, just get your body in shape. You don't got to be training for no fight. Just get your body in shape now that you, now that you, you know, it's, that's sometimes we just need the extra push. And that was my extra motivation to get off the couch was just to train with her. You know what I mean? I got that extra motivation and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got off the couch and like I didn't focus myself. These camp, this camp for me wasn't about me um using this camp to lose weight. Like a lot of times I'm 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 taking camp to lose weight, like not even focusing on skill, not focusing on the task that helping me become the better athlete in the ring, but I'm focused on breaking my body down from 180 getting getting it back down to 154 getting it from 175 getting it back to 154 but when they called me i was 164 already you know what i'm saying so i was already 10 pounds over the way so i wasn't i was right there you know what i mean so I, the preparation i had already prepared myself mentally had already took me to a point where i didn't have to train where i'm losing weight like i, I wasn't training losing weight i was training and i was sharpening them sharpening the tools up you know what i mean so that, i think that was just the biggest difference for me I, I do love the bond that you and Alicia formed 
you know, during your time together, both, both in terms of chemistry with, in terms of boxing and trainer, but you know, her going to the WBC convention and standing up and saying, no, 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 don't look over Tony Harrison. He's ready to fight. He's right, ready right. to go. I mean, what's it <laughs> been like for you? What's it been like for you over the last year or so as you've been maintaining your boxing career, but to be the chief second for a unified championship fight with Alicia Michaela Mayer, and then to be in Madison Square Garden when Alicia won the undisputed championship and to be the person in her corner? Um, To be honest, man, if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't, I probably couldn't have had accepted this fight at the moment. You know what I mean? Like, I, I probably would have said, like, no, nah, I just I ain't ready. I'm not ready. You know what I mean? Because it would have took so much, it would have it took me so much longer to, to, to prepare my body and prepare my mind to get ready for a fight like this. But because not only me, but boxing, like I said, boxing has been slow for men in general. You know what I mean? So they would, they like, do you expect me to go in the gym, spar, hit the bag when I don't even have a destination to why I'm hitting the bag? You know what I mean? Do you expect me to get off the couch and not have fun with my boys, don't go to the club, don't go party? And I'm young for for what? For nothing? To not look towards nothing? So um, boxing for me was slow, but boxing for her was uh busy you know what i mean so for 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 for, her, for me to just work with her it just was like man this is my time to get myself back in shape you know what i mean and if it wasn't for her i probably would have just been chilling you know what i mean like you know what i mean so it was just like it worked hand in hand man and um yeah and not only that man it just gives me a different perspective on how i look at how my brother speaks to me when i speak to her because i'm like okay when I speak to her and I tell her stuff and I'm like, Hmm, that's why my brother told me that. Or that's why I get it. Now, now I'm on the flip side of it and I'm watching myself and I'm watching myself in the moment. Sometime when I'm watching her, I watch myself and I'm like, damn, okay. I get it now. I get, you know, I get why he told me that. Okay. Cause I'm telling her this maybe in a different manner, but you know, I revert back to it and I'm like, damn, okay. That's why my brother said that. You know what I mean? That's what he see. You know what I mean? That's, that's why he saw that. That's why he told me to throw that because he see it and I maybe don't see it at the moment because sometimes she don't see it at the moment. But also, like, not only me and my brother, like me and my dad used to argue a lot. And I don't know if that came from, um, you know, just father-son relationships, but um, like this camp for me, I didn't argue with my brother not one time. I didn't like, like, no. Like I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't I didn't disagree with not one thing he said because I was a coach because I became a coach you know what I mean and I'm like okay I get it you see it you see stuff different than I see it at the moment you know what I mean I, I get it you know what I mean and I get it and I see it and it's, it's no arguments for me it's no you need me to go climb this tree all right which one <laughs> you know what I'm saying they used to be like now why am I climbing this tree like you know what I'm saying I don't see I don't see the top of it yet I you know but why am I you know what I mean so it just gives me a whole different perspective, man. And 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 training for me is just evaluating my mind different as a fighter. You know what I mean? So I'm able to understand that everything I may not see at the moment as a fighter, that if he gives it to me, he sees that as a trainer, and I gotta trust that. Well, Tony, uh good luck to you on Saturday down in Australia, man. I had somebody in boxing call me uh this week and say, like, who you got in the Harrison Zoo fight? I'm like, I got Tony Harrison. 
And this guy's like, you've been picking Tony Harrison every fight for like 10 years now, man. I'm like, I love Tony Harrison. That's my guy. I'm always picking and always man, pulling for Tony and, Harrison, and man. And Chris, but the thing, is, the, thing, the thing is, Chris, though, it's not even like we just, but like, you my guy. Like, I tell everybody, <laughs> like, I told AP, like, that's my guy. Like, Chris is my guy. So it's not even that. It's like, um, like, Chris ain't dumb. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like every fight that I've lost, I was winning. Every single one of them, I was winning. Like, it ain't like, like this guy's a bum or, like, her fight winning. Nelson fight winning. Charlo mm -hmm. fight, I thought I was winning. You know what I'm saying? Like, so every fight that I'm in, even though the outcome didn't come my way, I was landsliding these motherfuckers, dog. I was landsliding. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 it takes it take talent to do that, man. And you know what I'm saying? Like, people, like, people got to understand, like, that guy is talented. Like that guy, that guy right there is talented. You know what I'm saying? Whether you like me, whether you hate me, the way I talk shit, that guy's talented, man. You know what I'm saying? And it takes a certain kind of different kind of talent to beat me. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. not not Chris, not only my boy, but Chris Mark. Chris understand mm -hmm. that that guy comes from Detroit, from a culture and a rich state of boxing, where if you're gonna beat that man, you gotta be better than that man. And I just don't think Tim is that guy. It's mm -hmm. simple. Hey, there was there was nobody in boxing I respected more than Emmanuel Stewart, and he would all on those trips. He would always tell me, like, "Watch Tony, watch Tony. He's got it. He's the goods. He's the real deal." So if Emmanuel Stewart and says it, I'm gonna me, believe man, it forever. It's it's yeah, that's, that's an easy belief, man. Like, listen to me. He was the only genie in boxing. He was the only genie. He was the only the wizard, man. He was the only wizard that told me told us Tyson Fury would be champion before Tyson Fury was champion. He was mm -hmm. the only wizard that said Deontay Wilder would be champion for Deontay Wilder was champion. And that's, you know, he was the only wizard that said Andy Lee would be champion. He was the only wizard that said Adonis Stevenson would be champion. Like, he grabbed these guys, man. When he grabbed them and he touched them, they became exactly what he said they would be. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So he didn't put his hands on everything, but when he, when he put his hands on it, it was golden, man. And he was the wizard, man. And I miss my boy. Me too. Me too, man. Good luck on Saturday, Tony. All the best. And uh, we'll talk Thank to you, you after. Thank you, bro. My dog. And when we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. All right, time now for this week's picks brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. And I hope you bet with me last week because last week I had another double win. I told you to take Brandon Figueroa to win. That wouldn't have won you much. I told you to take Brandon Figueroa to win by decision. That would have won you more. I bet on it. I made some money. Hope you did too. This week, over in Australia, the junior middleweight division, Tony Harrison, Tim Zhu, interim title at 154 pounds. And I am once again going with an underdog. I am going with Tony Harrison to win this fight. Right now, Tony Harrison is at plus 172 over at FanDuel. That's an underdog bet to be sure. Uh, and Harrison by decision, which is how I think this is going to end, plus 350. So right now, get on the FanDuel app. Bet Tony Harrison by decision, plus 350. If you want to go a little bit more conservative, take Tony Harrison to win. Either way, you're going to win money. Either way, you're going to win because I think Tony Harrison is a level above Tim Zhu. And as long as his conditioning is right, his chin holds up. I think he outboxes Tim Zhu to a decision. Those are my picks. Get on them. Brought to you by FanDuel.
That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Gareth A. Davies and Tony Harrison for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. Next week, we will be in Los Angeles where I will track down Sergio Mora. Manix, I'm a man on the run and I'm not doing your fucking podcast. We're not doing it, bro. I'm a man on the run. On the run. The Volume. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.